Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening, reflecting into this topic of theology of the body. We are in our 10th week of a 12 uh, part series on theology of the body. And as I always do each and every Thursday, I have Ivan with me. Now, I say that, but he wasn't with me last week. So, Ivan, it is great to have you back with me this week. It's great to be back. Thank you. So, Ivan, we are talking tonight about this call to discern our vocation. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think it is time to talk about this in light of what we've been talking about, huh? Yeah, we have talked about so many beautiful topics. The very first topic that we talked about was how we're called to love. Mm-hmm. We have been made for love. Mm. See, that's what brings us the greatest happiness. Birds are the happiest when they fly. The fish mm. are the happiest when they swim. What is it that makes us human beings the happiest? Mm-hmm. Love. Mm-hmm. Because as we talked about in previous topics, we were made in the image and likeness of God, mm-hmm. who is a community, a person. His love. Mm-hmm. Another topic that we talked about was loving versus using, uh, the nature of love, freedom, and how to love like Christ mm-hmm. in a free, total, faithful, fruitful love. And today we have a beautiful topic, vocation. Yeah, discerning our, our vocation. And as you were talking about love and using, um, I, I'm reminded of that great quote of John Paul II, where he talks about man was um, created to be loved and things used, and we love things and use people. He, he distills, I think, a, a beautiful truth as it relates to how we are called to relate to one another. Huh? Now, this is kind of a, a barometer mm-hmm. for what we are here about as it relates to theology of the body. Now, it is right that we are talking about St. John Paul II here, Ivan, in our opening, not only because obviously he's the author of Theology of the Body, but also because it was theology of the body that helped him better understand his vocation to the priesthood, that which helped him see his vocation to the priesthood. Remember some of our opening points in our first week, where we talked about the person Karavuitia, who was John Paul II before he was John Paul II, right? He had to deal with the atrocities of World War II at his doorstep where he could smell the soot coming from the burning ovens of the concentration camp of Auschwitz, just a half hour away. I recall going, Ivan, to Wadowice, Wadowice being his home in Poland, and uh, making that drive to Auschwitz, and just uh, being so struck and taken by the fact that not only was it so close, but yeah, he really did have to deal with the Nazi regime and the horror and the atrocities of World War II at his very doorstep. And this led him, Ivan, asking the deepest questions about man. And what was his response? Well, (laughs) theology of the body. You know, his first response was love and responsibility, uh, his great philosophical work, which ultimately led to theology of the body, right? 
So it was love and responsibility which led to theology of the body that was his response to those deepest questions about man. Some of the deepest questions I'm sure Ivan he was asking about as he was discerning his own vocation. So his discernment is one that has the backdrop of all of this war. And he turns to this vision that he offers us in Theology of the Body, uh, this vision of Christian anthropology. In particular, Ivan, this vision of being pure in heart so as to see uh, the many-splendored vision of God. I mean, what do we mean to say when we say pure in heart? Pure in heart means those who act with integrity and serve the Lord unselfishly. This disposition of unselfishness, this disposition of being ready to act. I mean, in biblical terms, when we talk about the pure in heart, in biblical terms, the heart is the hidden center of the person where one's thoughts, words, actions, and emotions are said to originate. So if the heart is pure then all of our emotions, all of our thoughts, all of our actions, all of our words are going to see what they need to see. They will not be clouded by the stain of impurity. For John Paul II, the impure are those who are blind. The impure of heart are those who suffer from a bad case of myopia, even nearsightedness. John Paul II was very strong on this point because he well understood in light of our aforementioned points as it relates to World War II, if we are not rooted in the purity and the gift of the purity of Christ, we will not be able to go where we need to go. We will not be able to respond, Ivan, to the vocation that God has entrusted to us. So uh, with that, We've already used the word vocation. What does the word itself mean? Huh? Vocation uh, comes from the Latin vocatio, which means to call forth. Behind that word, we have the word invitation. Uh, so often, Ivan, today, I hear the phrase, I am not worthy. And certainly to a degree, that's not the worst thing to say, I am not worthy, lest we get uh, too far ahead of ourselves. And but we must always remember that if we are saying, I am not worthy because of all of our shortcomings and all of our weaknesses, all we have to do is go back to sacred scripture and be reminded of the selection of the Twelve. These were men who, by conventional terms, were not equipped to be the first Twelve Apostles. And if there was one that was equipped, it was Judas, right? So, we should uh, be measuring our discernment when we use that phrase, I am not worthy. In the book of Corinthians, it talks about the role of ministers. Mm-hmm. And at the time of Paul and Apollos, these were two men who were very popular among people because they were doing great things for God. Mm-hmm. And so they were so popular that people began to identify with them instead of Christ and saying, I belong to Paul, I belong mm-hmm. to Apollos. But in this scripture, the scripture says, what is Apollos and what is Paul after all, mm-hmm. but only instruments by which God is doing his work. And so I bring up that scripture because you're right, we're not worthy of this calling that sometimes God calls us to, but ultimately it is God who is doing all these things through us. But I definitely can connect with so many people who say, well, but I'm not Apollos and mm-hmm. I'm not Paul and I don't feel like I can be as popular or as do as a great job like they do. It, is, it has been said 
that God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And I can definitely connect with that saying. Uh, for instance, Joe, just this summer I did youth ministry and I was working with youth. And the first, first night that we worked with the youth, I gave a speech, which I thought was not very well accepted by the teens. Mm-hmm. Everybody was quiet. They were not laughing at my jokes. <laughs> I was so discouraged, Joe. I mm-hmm. called my friend and I said, hey, I can't do this. I want to quit. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can do this. But then, you know what? I went to a retreat after that, a retreat. And in this retreat, I prayed so much about these teens. And after this prayer, I remember coming back, and it was a 180-degree change. Mm. In fact, a few months later, a teen texted me and said, you know what, Ivan? I just had a problem with my girlfriend, and I realized that I want to be pure. I want to change my life the way you changed your life, as you shared with us in that speech that you gave a while Mm. ago. Mm. So this teen was actually touched by that speech that I gave. So God was working with my weakness. Mm-hmm. And so, yo, yes, it is true. Sometimes we don't feel qualified, but God can still write straight with crooked lines. Amen. And as he says in that great passage from Second Corinthians 12, verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Grace was given to Paul to endure his trials and to make him rely upon the Lord. His experience shows us that God gives us what we need, Ivan, but not always what we want. You were leaning upon God in your time of need. And this was all made possible because you identified your weakness for what it was, a weakness, and you allowed God to store you up rich in His grace. My grace is sufficient for you. And how important is that, Ivan, in the process of discerning our vocation, in the process of coming to understand the meaning of our journey in faith? It's about having, Ivan, this disposition where we have been made out from our living relationship with God, uh, disposed to respond to God. You know, for John Paul II, one of uh, his overarching principles to us being in mission and us being able to better uh, respond to God's call is what he called the interior attitude of faith. The interior attitude of faith for John Paul II was to be in relationship with God, but not yet in action. And of course, the icon of this disposition, the icon of this uh, readiness is who? Mary, right? Yes. <laughs> and, and, and what did she say, Ivan? Let what? it be done to me according to your word. Amen. Let it be to me. But what did she say before that? How can this be? Mm. How can this be? Right? Now, what's interesting, this comes to us in the opening chapter to the Gospel of Luke, huh? Just before we have this narrative of the Annunciation, what do we read? That same angel appearing to Zechariah with a similar message, right? Your wife, who was barren, is now with child. Zechariah responds with a similar question. But when you get behind the original text and the original language, Zachariah's inquiry is one of doubt. He's questioning uh, in a contemporary sense of how we think about how we question. Mary's inquiry 
is the truest definition of what it means to question, literally to quest, to seek to understand. She has already received the gift of faith. She's now seeking understanding, huh? Mm -hmm. Which is fair game for all Christians and Catholics. Now, that being said, when we question, do we doubt? Yes, but it highlights the gift that we need to be asking for, the gift of faith. Mm-hmm. Mary teaches us in her interior attitude of faith the disposition that we are all called to have, huh? Isn't it interesting, Ivan, that as we're talking about this, what does she say? I know not man. Within this inquiry, within this dialogue, we have discussion of a sexuality. We have discussion of relationship. Isn't it fitting that here we are, Uh, This Thursday, talking about theology of the body and how we are called to better discern our vocations, well, let us learn from Mary. Yeah, and she she was given a very big responsibility. She was going to be a tabernacle for Christ himself. She was going to hold Christ in her very womb. And that is a big calling. And rather than question God about it, she just wanted to know, Mm -hmm. how is this going to happen? Yeah. And... I heard one time that said, somebody said, there's nothing wrong with asking questions. That's right. Jesus never discouraged his apostles or disciples to ask questions. That's right. This is what it is, period. No, no, no. He, he encouraged that. They were always asking questions. What's wrong is not wanting answers. Mm-hmm. Amen. And so when it, when, whenever we feel called to something, maybe we're not going to be called to give birth to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That already happened. Yeah. But we might be called to something else. We might be called to be a parent. We might be called to be a mother, a father, a doctor, or some other, some other person in a profession. What are we going to do when we, when we re- realize this call? How are we going to respond to it? Mm-hmm. Like Zachariah? Or are we going to respond like Mary, mm-hmm. who gave her yes to God? Yeah, and as we talk about this, Ivan, there, there's a couple of stumbling blocks that tend to interfere with our discernment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that first is that we fear what we do not know. Huh? Uh, we've talked about the, the entrapment of fear already, and, and it's important to, to highlight this because um, if we live in this fear, then we will truly never be free. I mean, what does Paul say? You did not receive the spirit of slavery in which you fall back into fear, right? But the spirit of sonship in which you cry, Abba, Father. And when we cry, Abba, Father, we give impetus to this new relationship that God calls us into. And this new relationship that God calls us into, Ivan, is what? Prayer. You talked about not wanting to hear. Remember what prayer is. Prayer is conversation with God. The word itself, prayer, prekari, to ask. Well, if we're going to ask God, then what do we need to do? We need to listen, right? Mm -hmm. Prayer is about that listen-response relationship with God. We are to pray with Samuel, huh? Lord, Listen, your servant is speaking, right? No. (laughs) Lord, speak, your servant is listening. That's the essence of prayer, and therefore what is foundational to our discernment. They say that when John Paul II, now, thank John Paul II, when he used to pray, he became like a rock. Mm -hmm. It was very different to get him out of it. Mm -hmm. Even my, I have a sibling who's not religious at all, but she grew up watching John Paul II on TV, and he says, there is something about this man. It's like he has a connection mm-hmm. with someone who is not from here. Yeah. So his relationship with God was so visible. 
Mm. was so real that it impacted even those who are not even Christian. Yeah. And we are called to have that kind of relationship with Him. Amen. You, you mentioned also prayer. There's a beautiful prayer that also reminds us of our call, our first and universal call, which is to be holy. Mm-hmm. And this prayer is the Our Father. Every time that we pray Our Father, what do we say? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Because God the Father is holy, and because we are his children, we have, first and foremost, a call to be holy too. And so every time that we pray this prayer, it should be a reminder to us that we are called to be holy as he is holy. Yeah, he says, be perfect like my Father in heaven Mm -hmm. is perfect, right? Well, we know that on this side of the heavenly Jerusalem, Ivan, we are never going to attain perfection, right? So what what in effect is he saying? He is saying, draw deeper into the mystery, the inexhaustible mystery that is my love, and come to know that love. Come to know that love that is absolute holiness, and then you'll be free to respond to God's invitation. We will be free to say, let it be to me. If we don't know this kind of love, if we don't believe that God truly loves us, much less are we going to believe that he has a special calling for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why would someone that doesn't love us or doesn't even know about us have a special mission for us, a calling? Mm -hmm. But the truth is, we have to start there. We have to understand this love, not just in our head, but in our heart. It has to become a reality here. And then we will become aware that, whoa, God does have a special calling for me, Mm -hmm. whatever that is. Yeah. I've often said, Ivan, that the farthest pilgrimage that many people have to make is from the mind to the heart, you know, because we can get some things, you know, in the mind, but not always in the heart. And it really is, as we're talking about prayer and we're talking about holiness, Ivan, it is out from this prayer, this listen-response relationship with God, that we are going to be able to understand. Remember, the word discernment or discern literally means to understand. Mm -hmm. And what other word is tied to that? But disciple, huh? Discernment and disciple come from the same word in the Latin. And the idea there is if we can understand that God is calling us to discipleship, then we will want to discern. We will want to go into the process of coming to understand, coming to see what God has in store for us. I would go even so far as to say, Ivan, that we would begin to look at discernment as an adventure. Yeah. You know, just about a year ago, I began to discern my vocation as a pri- in the priesthood. I began to consider becoming a priest. Mm-hmm. I, I began to feel this desire to ser- serve God in a more radical way. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to see if maybe God wants me to do that as a priest. And mm-hmm. I was invited to have dinner with Bishop Soto in his house, along with other young men who were discerning their vocation as priests also. And throughout the dinner, Bishop Soto said nothing about discerning the priesthood. He mm-hmm. talked about stories about his childhood, everything but the priesthood. Mm-hmm. So at the end, I said, Bishop Soto, you know why I'm here. I'm here because I'm discerning my vocation. So what advice do you have for me in this journey that I will go through as I discern? And he said, well, um, I'll give you the best advice that I've ever heard. And that is this prayer. Mm. Have a very deep prayer life because those who prayed will hear the call and answer it. Mm-hmm. Amen. So prayer is the foundation for having this relationship with God, but it's also the medium by which God communicates mm-hmm. that 
vocation that he has for us. Amen. Heart speaks to heart, mm-hmm. right? I love the fact that Bishop Soto did not talk about discernment or any of that. Not at all. You know why? Because ultimately, he didn't know any of you there in that room, and maybe if he did, one or two. And how comfortable are we going to feel asking the question, the kind of question that you asked to Bishop Soto, if we don't trust him? Mm-hmm. So he is just being who he is, sharing stories about his life, about his childhood. And in that, there's an invitation. Huh? Mm-hmm. So Bishop Soto became an instrument for you. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, he could have said, hey, you will make a good priest. Hey, there's a need for priesthood. Hey, no, he never mentioned anything like that. He said, prayer, just pray. Um, you know, we have a wonderful exchange, Ivan, between Philip and Nathaniel. Mm-hmm. Philip it has this personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And at the end of uh, the first chapter of the Gospel of John, Philip finds Nathanael. And he says, Nathanael, I have found him, the fulfillment of the law of Moses, this, this Jesus of Nazareth. Nathanael looks at Philip and he says, you know, what good comes from Nazareth? You know, what good comes from this remote town that's in this cup of hills away from, you know, the roads of commerce? What good comes from Nazareth? And he says, eh, come and see. Veni et vide. Come and see. And, and this brings me now to my, my second point, my second stumbling block, Ivan. We cannot rely on what we think we know. You know, yeah. Nathaniel says, what good comes from Nazareth? Nothing good comes from Nazareth. Come on, what are you talking about? This Jesus of Nazareth isn't the fulfillment of the law. Ah, come and see. See for yourself. Now, it's interesting he does not say, see and come. He says, come and see, because the personal encounter always precedes the understanding. And that's essentially what lies at the heart of our faith. And there is a scripture out there, it's a psalm, and it says, taste and see. Isn't that similar? Mm -hmm. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. You know, it, it, it makes me think of sitting down on your couch, looking at the window and watching the rain here in Chico pour down. Mm-hmm. You can watch it all day long. You can open a website or a textbook and read all about the rain, but nothing can substitute the experience of being out there and getting just poured down on you, yeah. getting wet on the rain. That's when you really, know, you really know what rain is like. And it's the same thing with our relationship with God. We can read a lot about Jesus on Scripture, which is good. We can hear talks about Him. But until we get on our knees and I said, Lord, I accept you into my heart. Help me to know you more. Help me to come to understand truly with all my senses this real, true, perfect love that you have for me. When we open our hearts like that, that Jesus Christ just pours down his grace on us. Mm-hmm. And we come to encounter him in ways we have never encountered him before. Amen. Yeah, there's that beautiful analogy. Um, you know, you can set uh, an apple before one person and another apple before another. You know, you ask the first person, without biting into the apple, describe the apple for me. And what they'll do is they'll tell you about the shape. Uh, Maybe it feels a bit grainy. Maybe they'll tell you about the stem. Uh, They'll talk about what they see. Then you turn to the person next to them and you say, now you bite into the apple and describe the apple. 
their description of the apple is going to be very different than the first person. And their description of the apple, Ivan, is going to be about the essence of the apple, the flavor of uh, the apple, the life-giving properties of the apple, because they've had this personal encounter with it. And it's the same with our faith. If we don't have that personal encounter, then what do we have? All we have is what is on the outside. And the church becomes a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you take God out of the church, if you get, if you take off that relationship, what do we have? A bunch of rules, a bunch of people who gather for no purpose at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't take that, which is the center of, of our church, our faith. Amen. And in this vein, John Paul II once said, one of the most dangerous things to the church and mission, one of the most dangerous things to the new evangelization is this corporate mentality. Mm-hmm. If we have a corporate mentality, if we look at the church as just an institution, we will fail to see it for what it is because it's first the family of God. You know, 1 Timothy 3.15, mm-hmm. the church is the family of God. And yes, every family has to keep a register. Every family has to keep a checkbook. But that's not what defines the family. What defines the family is love. What defines the family is the way in which, Ivan, we respond to our vocation, this sacramental vocation that God has called us into. And so it is. As we are talking about discerning our vocations, if you out there have not yet discerned your vocation, root your discernment, as Bishop Soto said, huh, in prayer. And out from that prayer, out, Ivan, from that listen-response relationship with God, you will begin to understand that God might have something in store for you that you could have never imagined. Do not rely on what you think you know. Do not let fear overwhelm you, but trust in God. Remember, trust is the most concrete act and virtue of faith. And if faith is this gift that is going to uh, be inside of us, to have that proper disposition that we talked about, huh, Ivan, the interior attitude of faith, let's increase our faith in prayer and do so in generosity. And, you know, somebody may ask, well, what if I already found my vocation? Mm-hmm. You know, I know that I'm called to marriage, or I know I'm called to serve in this particular ministry. What do we do after we have found a specific calling? Mm-hmm. I think that that's an opportunity for us to have a grateful heart and invite Christ to take over. Yes, And amen. help us to be to live up that calling in the best of our ability. Amen. As that scripture says in Colossians, it says, Whatever it is that you do, whatever work you do, do it with all your heart, mm-hmm. as if you were doing it for the Lord and not for men. Amen. Well, Ivan, we're out of time. This has been a good program. We've kind of uh, talked about a number of different things as it relates to um, things we need to be thinking about towards discernment and our vocational journey. I do appreciate, Ivan, um, you sharing your personal uh, stories. Very important, I think, to our listeners. And so, do you have any closing thoughts? Well, we'll see where the Lord leads me in my discernment. Mm-hmm. But some closing thoughts that I have is to remember that our primary calling is, is to holiness. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter where you're called to serve, whether that is in marriage or as a celibate person or in a particular ministry. Ultimately, we all have the same goal, to mm-hmm. become saints, to become little Christs, Amen. so to speak, Amen. to the world. As it has been said, the only tragedy in this world is that we never tried to be a saint. Let us be a saint. Let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.